0: Hi, my name is Rick Simon, author of the book, Living Your Greatness, Nine Ways to Overcome Obstacles and Live Your Dreams. The book is full of lessons that I've learned by living with multiple cirrhosis since 1982. It might help you overcome your obstacles. It's on Amazon. But tonight, I'm your co-host, filling in for Sean Wingrave for this episode of Y-E-G-M-S. In this wide-ranging conversation with Barb Robb, we talk about how she coped with MS over the past 22 years. Listen for Barb's thoughts on informing yourself, things that helped her along the way, being a caregiver, and getting together with others with similar experiences. Also, listen for Barb's sense of humor, which I'm sure has helped her along the way. I'm here by video conference with Barb Robb. Hi, Barb. Hi. When Barb heard about the last episode and our discussion on MS and COVID-19, she wanted to become part of the discussion. But before we get to that, can you tell mm-hmm. the listeners about your journey with MS? How did you find out you had it? What's your MS story, Barb? Um, I In
1: 1998, so 22 years ago, I was getting really sick, dizzy, and uh, my eyes went funny and uh, mass confusion and like my brain had been taken out and shrunk and put back in backwards and I was having a lot of trouble walking and um, I went to the doctor who I actually worked for, he's a neurologist, and he said, oh, no, you don't have any of the symptoms. And I would book tests for people. And I'd say, I'm pretty sure I have that. I've had that and I've had that. And so he booked me for an MRI and I had to wait nine months. And back then, it was there was nothing you could do for MS, so there is no rush. So I waited nine months and I had it done before Christmas, 98. And he didn't want to tell me until after Christmas, but I wanted to know. So I went to his office and he said, yes, you do have uh, multiple sclerosis. And I said, I told you I did. And uh, he says, well, you presented different symptoms than anyone, you know, and and apparently by the time I was diagnosed, I was secondary progressive because I'd already gone through about 10 years of uh, very mild symptoms but nothing enough to go to the doctor about like my finger would be numb or an elbow the next week and but I was always falling so it was it was you know by the time they got around to it there like i said in 98 there was no drugs so they i still haven't been put on anything
0: so yeah so actually I've ne- i'm not on any drugs to help with the disease either so yeah um, i
1: take something for i have epilepsy also so that's actually got worse um that's another brain thing i just tell people i have a defective brain because you know (laughs) yeah anyway if it's something's gonna go wrong it'll go wrong and um it yeah made that worse and uh there's also Parkinson's and uh Alzheimer's in my family, my parents. So that was some, that's something to look forward to too. Yeah. You know, right. I suppose I'll get that. Yeah. Right.
0: Which which brings up the topic of comorbidity. We've talked I talked with Sean a couple of times about how and with others about how just because you have MS doesn't mean that everything that you that goes wrong with you is a result of MS.
1: I know. Mm-hmm. It is very frustrating. I've been sick a lot this year. And every time I go to the doctor, they go, no, nah, it's not COVID, you know, and, but nobody, and they always, always, always say it's MS. And right. I talked to my neurologist in May and uh, he says, oh, you're told to have a relapse. Well, you know, I don't think so. Uh, somebody said it's just progression. Which is probably, but now it's possible that my symptoms have been brought on by a concussion from a bad fall in April. So,
0: so, so no one really knows that. that, And medical people tend to have a when you have something wrong, they assume that that's what caused it because it could have caused it. Yeah. But oftentimes we, we, well, something that i'm always careful with is saying, well what if it's not that what would we do well if exactly what would yeah. we do if it wasn't related to my ms what how would we treat this because maybe that treatment will work yeah.
1: <laughs> well that's you know i mean that doesn't explain the rash and the fever you know you don't get that with ms right you know and years about six years ago i had uh, it turns out i had viral meningitis and i was in the hospital for the day and um they did all these tests on me and they sent me for an MRI the next morning. They said, Oh, it's your MS. And I go, man, you know, I know it's not, but nobody will listen to us, you know. So it's it's oh, I'm having a heart attack. No, it's your MS. It's very <laughs> annoying.
0: <laughs> so if I they- if I look back at your timeline, you said it took about nine months from the time you asked for the MRI to the time you got it. Right. And- and that's compared to compared to other people that I've heard relatively short time to be diagnosed. But then you also said that you think you had it for 10 years before that. Um, well,
1: yeah, probably. Is, yeah,
0: because, because you have signs it. signs and symptoms. Um,
1: yeah. All the, the thinking back, you know, they realized that, yes, probably I did have it because it's uh yeah because i i did have all the symptoms i just never chalked it up to anything i was busy with little kids and you know didn't have time for that
0: right right and that brings up another thing is that people have an image of what it is to have ms and yeah unfortunately usually the image that they have usually involves a wheelchair exactly yeah and when you look at people that have ms oftentimes they are in the middle of life they are raising kids they are they are working yeah. jobs they and and if you if you don't know they have ms you don't know they have ms you can't tell yeah um, or the signs are are minimal i mean i know i was diagnosed in in 82 and until the mid 90s, my boss didn't even know I had MS because I really to do my yeah. job without without anybody knowing.
1: Um, well, I, so. I was very lucky where I worked in the hospital that as soon as I was diagnosed, like I would be dizzy all the time and end up sitting on the floor at the at the clinic because you know, and the doctor'd come in and say, Are you okay? but um. Anyway, no, I uh, they actually rebuilt my clinic and built me a little office over the weekend, so I didn't have to to stand eight hours a day at a, at a computer.
2: Right. They actually
1: built me a little little uh, desk and everything, and gave me a little place to sit because they knew I would fall. So, right? Yeah. So that that was good.
0: Well, I guess I if you're. Lucky. If you work for the neurologist, you you have to kind of expect that they're going to accommodate. <laughs>
1: yeah. No, I, I actually, he was part of the clinic, but I worked mainly in the ortho clinic. So they okay. had, they that was what I did three days a week. And some days we did something else. But uh, the cast saws were so noisy that they really bothered my hearing. And so I'd have to go and work in a different department because it, it actually made me dizzy—loud noises. Okay. So I couldn't handle the buzz saws, the cast saws all the time. So it was, it was good, good six months before I managed to go back into the cast clinic. But um, but they were very accommodating there. It was it was good.
0: Right.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. So um, one of the things you. You mentioned when we talked offline was was uh, that you were were interested in in the episode we had, which by the way just got released today um, uh-huh. to the podcast network. Um, the conversation that Sean and I had about about MS and COVID nineteen and and how they're inter- you know. We, we talked oh. about our thoughts about it, and uh, yeah. I'm just wondering how has COVID-19 affected you and your MS, and what are your thoughts on that?
1: Well, I got really sick uh, in February, middle of February, and I'd been taking my husband to the hospital, to the MS for um, misericordia, for two or three times a week for stroke treatment, uh, OT and speech therapy. And so he couldn't drive, of course. So I had to drive him. Um, and uh, I'm—I was visiting people all over the hospital. I worked there 28 years. So I mean, you know, a lot of different departments. Mm-hmm. I, I, when he was having his his therapy, I would uh, visit. And uh, you know, and then I suddenly got sick—a horrendous. Uh, Fever, which I never get fevers and chills and a headache and and the cough. And then I went through two inhalers. I had x-rays. They put me on antibiotics um, and steroids, actually, too. And I kept going for x-rays. And uh, I phoned and I I phoned the health link and said, you know, I, I seriously think I have COVID because, you know, and they said, well, have you been out of the country? And I said, no. And they said, then you don't have it. They, they wouldn't even talk to me.
0: Mm.
1: So, and my doctor, I'd been there so many times. And I went back to him the third time. And I had this list and the big, I wrote in big capital letters, fatigue. Like, I have never been that fatigued in my life. I, Wow. And um I just, I had fatigue. Oh, and then I ended up in the hospital with a rash that was so bad that I still have scars. And that was head to toe. And I told him, I said, I have absolutely no appetite. And apparently my liver tests were were all really out of whack, abnormal. He says, Oh, I have liver damage. He says, don't drink. And I said, I can't drink. I'm too sick. (laughs) (laughs) That went on for weeks and then I had to go back for more liver tests and and they were back to normal. But I said, I can't, I can't taste anything because I, I, you know, I said one night I had popcorn for supper and then I had chocolate for dessert. It's just, you know, and I had to make sure my husband ate proper. So I do a, throw everything in a pot and do a roast in the oven just so he'd have some food for a few days so I wouldn't have to worry about it. <laughs>
0: You know, right, right. But,
1: uh, and all I did was sleep,
0: Yeah,
1: you know, and scratch. <laughs> so, but uh, no, they never, ever did. And then in April, um, I was walking in the kitchen and I dropped a glass and it startled me. And that, I think, I don't want to say I had a seizure, but I really seriously blacked out. And next thing I know, I'm face down on the floor, and I broke my nose. And there's blood everywhere. So, and of course, everything shut down in April, mid-April, right at Easter. So, I couldn't even get my glasses fixed for till for another month. Right. And, uh, and then what are they going to do anyway? <laughs> you know, what are you <laughs> going to do? So, just live with it. Um, yeah, I don't think I saw a doctor again until... Oh man! about the uh, end of September, I think middle of September, I think I went back again because I was still having so much problems with my balance that I'd actually gone and bought a bought new cane and uh but I just find i'm it, it was getting harder and harder to get up and down the stairs in our house, and I was I don't even know what to say. It just seemed to—it just seemed to be never ending. I was afraid to get off the couch because I was afraid I'd fall. Hmm. So I, I really dreaded going for groceries or going anywhere, going out in the backyard. I looked like a drunk staggering around the garden.
0: Well, you know, that must else. be. I—I I, I know I started using the cane. Um, in the
1: yard? I, yeah. Well, no,
0: like this is years ago now, but I started oh. using the cane. Because I didn't want to be um be driving and get pulled over and have yeah. the police think that I was drunk when it was oh. really my MS. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I had the cane so I could pull the cane out of the car when I when I got out. So that they'd know yeah. something wrong with um because well, for, that yeah, can happen.
1: <laughs> it does. I know. Yeah. I know at the very beginning of when I got MS, I used to sort of tilt to the left. <laughs> you know right. I'd veer off to the left everywhere. I don't It was right. kind of funny when I was walking. <laughs> but uh no I I uh got to the point where yeah I needed a cane and the doctor the last time I saw him when he recommended I go for oh no that was for, for the MRI results cuz they said oh this is all my my um MS right? sure Right. anyway he said i should be using a walker and then somebody said oh and you know what i do now is actually i just tell people i have vertigo right and right. and that stops any questions that explains yeah. the cane and why i'm wobbling around
0: yeah but yes. but the but cane, the cane did, helps Kane helps for people to realize that there's definitely something wrong. With well, yeah, I mean, and, I'm and they're not in, drunk. Like um, <laughs> at that stage, I was yeah. worried that they might think that I was drunk.
1: Yeah, and I'm parked um, in the handicap for a reason. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. so one of the things that I like to ask people, and I know you talked about something that you've done recently, is kind of what strategies do you have to help you cope with the things you have to cope with because of your. um,
1: anxiety? Well, I accidentally heard from someone about acupuncture which never in my wildest dream crossed my mind never never um and I I said you know at this point I will try anything so I went off there a couple weeks ago and had one treatment he said I know exactly what it is it's a concussion leftover damage from when you fell in April and it's just getting worse and worse and Anyway, he said he knew exactly what it was. He figured one treatment ought to do it. And um, so that's what I did. I did that about two weeks ago. And the next day, I could not believe how good I felt. That was a, a Friday. I had it done. Saturday, I was like, no, Thursday, I had it. Friday, I felt great. Sunday, I went out shopping. I still took my cane. Because you know, but I I can't go upstairs or sidewalks, you know, curbs. Right. I still can't do curbs, and I think that's just a confidence. I got to get my confidence back and being able to walk.
0: But so, so <laughs> acupuncture seemed to help. Does yeah? Does it? Are the effects still there, or they? Well, that's they- the
1: thing. Oh. I thought you know, I felt. I told him when I called to say how I was feeling. I said, you know, I think I'm maybe about 80, 85%, you know, and he said, well, you shouldn't need any more. You should improve. But I found a couple of days ago, I, I phoned on Friday actually, because I thought maybe I'll just get another treatment. And today actually was a, not a good day. Um, I found that uh, I don't know what it is or why, but uh Anyway, no, I I have an appointment tomorrow morning, so we'll see. You know, okay. So I don't go know back. as some people find it's an ongoing thing. They kind it's like going for a massage. You go once a month for right. treatment.
0: You know, so right. maybe
1: that's what it'll be.
0: Maybe. Yeah. So you tried. You tried acupuncture. Like, there's all kinds of people who who don't yeah. have MS may not know this uh, among our listeners, but when you have MS there's all kinds of people coming out of the woodworks trying to tell you how to cure yourself. Yeah. Um, and some well, of those Well, if things... it works,
1: well, when they said it works for dizziness, I was like, holy cow, why didn't I hear about this like six months ago?
0: You know? <laughs> right.
1: Yeah. I was not was... looking forward to being locked in all winter.
0: Right. So since you were diagnosed in 1998, have you tried <laughs> any of the other things that are out there that people. Oh, I did to? the. Uh, ginkgo
1: yeah remember ginkgo it was supposed to be good for your memory right yeah that didn't work um i i do like massage and every time i fall the first thing i think is oh i should go book a massage for a couple weeks from now so i can or a couple days so i can get all the aches and get realigned kind of thing you know right uh, that's the first thing I always think of is I'll go for a massage to get the knots out that I've bent. And, and uh, what else do I do? Um,
0: so hmm. talking about massage. I've never done massage. Per oh, se. well, yeah. I've, done, I've, I've done massage, but I've done it not necessarily related to MS, although yeah, I mean, I, it's just nice to have a massage, but I do, oh, yeah. I do know that even back when no one knew that I had MS, um it seemed like the massage the masseuse knew and and there were certain mm-hmm. areas of the of my body that were tight because i was yeah. compensating for muscles that, that didn't work because the nerves didn't send the messages yeah. and uh, and she would spend more time on the areas that areas that i knew were problems for me so uh, obviously yeah. she knew that there was something
1: wrong I actually go to a to a clinic. Their students, second year students, at uh, at a clinic over in the south side, and um, their students study. If you have this, this, or this, and MS is one of them, they like to study people like us and practice on us so that they know what to do. And my daughter is a massage therapist, and she actually did her. Her final, not her master's or whatever, but uh, her uh, final degree on uh, her paper was on MS and massage. Okay. And uh, she got like a ninety-eight percent.
0: So I'd just like to to interrupt here for a minute and yep, because we have listeners come listeners listening from all over the world.
1: Oh, okay.
0: So we've mentioned a couple of places. One of them is you mentioned the South Side. And oh, I'm the sorry, the Miser- Edmonton. That's fine, the Misericordia yeah. Hospital. Just for right. listeners out there who don't know, the Misericordia Hospital is a well-known hospital in, in the city of Edmonton where we live. And right. at the, the, the place that you go to on the south side is on the south side of Edmonton. So if mm-hmm. you're, if you're uh, overseas, uh, <laughs> those, those uh, places won't probably be familiar to you, but there may be places near you that can do the same thing. So you've you've used
1: yeah I did Tai Chi for a while but uh, Tai Chi okay I was the beginner in the class so I didn't last very long I could never remember past five moves that was <laughs> it and I'd get stuck and everybody else would do the whole routine and since I was doing it by myself I couldn't learn you know okay. that's another thing of MS is is learning disability kind of thing right yeah. you, you just yes you just yeah. and you can't learn and remember new things yeah as quickly. um yoga was awesome i love doing yoga that's really good for balance and strength and i still do that at home
0: cool cool yeah so i know sean and i have talked before about diet and exercise and you talk to him about about exercise do you do anything special with diet um
1: i'm kind of on the same diet that my husband is on because of his stroke uh so now we're low sodium and uh, low sugar but uh i had been doing the keto diet last year and i didn't really you lose weight too fast i found and i don't know I haven't been able to to do it uh, to get into anything like that this year. So but so I'd say a no, but chocolate is always in my uh, vocabulary.
0: <laughs> in your diet. Chocolate there is not a diet awesome.
1: that doesn't have chocolate. <laughs> yeah.
0: And if there is, we don't want to know about it.
1: Well, even on Weight Watchers, I had to have chocolate once a day. Yeah. You yeah. know, yeah. So I can't think of any other dietary restrictions. No. Nope.
0: Okay. No. Nope. Okay. Um I know I'm I don't know if I've mentioned it on here but I've tried a number of things the the uh and and when it came to to diet one of the things that Sean recommends is is you sort of try try one try taking out one kind of food and And see if it makes a difference and if it doesn't put it back and and then Mm. find find what works for you to improve your symptoms and and I kind of like that approach and what I found over time is from a diet perspective I've largely gone back to the way my mother fed me when I was a kid (laughs) oh and what (laughs) Um, was that well it's it's kind of whole foods and and nothing that I took Mm. out seemed to make a difference so everything (laughs) that I everything ended up getting put back and um Except that you know, you, each time you try, each time I tried something, I learned something more about nutrition. So that um, you know, I don't I don't eat significantly differently. I'm like I'm not vegan, and I'm I'm not on a uh, uh, low carb diet or mm-hmm. or, or uh, low cholesterol diet or any particular yeah. brand of diet. But each time that I tried something and and kind of went back closer to what I started off with, I learned something a little bit more. So, right, I I know that you know the the um, <clears throat> some of the pastries that are that are made by <laughs> by packing butter in around the pastry and it makes it really flaky are yes. really not good for me. <laughs> Oh, that's true. Yeah. And, and, you know, they have a lot of calories. And, and so each time I tried something different, I refined things a little bit, but didn't really, um, you know, didn't really change anything huge. Yeah. Um, I know you talked about exercise, different kinds of exercises, yoga. Mm-hmm. And yeah. And I know in my experience, I mean, a lot of this is about, to me, it's about, Okay, I have MS. So, what can I do to be as healthy as I can, given that I have MS? And the things that you can do to be as healthy as you can are the same things that anybody can do to be as healthy as they can. Um, right. And I've actually I've been on a, on an exercise on some kind of an exercise program at least for the last 20 years at various times. And one of the ones that I found was quite helpful was actually a weightlifting uh, program it's a there's a book called body for life out there not trying to promote Mm. any book anything in particular and i i think that i mean it's a weightlifting program but one of the things that about it is you start with any of the exercises you can start with the weight of your limbs you don't have to have Big, heavy, massive weights. So if you're doing, I don't know, if you're doing squats, you can do a squat with no weight, and then if if you get so that you're good enough at, at that way, you can add a, a can of soup in each hand and do it until you're until you're, you're strong enough to do that. And yeah. then then you can maybe get some real weights and and add a little bit more to it. So it actually allows you to exercise with weights, but in some cases it's with less weights than you would use otherwise as an example uh-huh. a push-up to do a push-up you have to be able to support half your body weight and you have to be able to do the push-ups with that with that much weight well there's a another exercise is a bench press which exercises the same muscles but i can do a bench press with 10 pounds on each hand and it exercises the same muscles until uh-huh. I get until I build up the strength that I could actually do a push-up. Uh, so my theory is is uh, weightlifting is for wimps.
1: <laughs> you do all this at home?
0: I do it at home. I, I actually prefer to do it at home. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of a loner, and I have various things that I do that help motivate me to keep going. and <laughs> keep track of what I did, and, and mm-hmm. I keep track of when I increase the weights. And, at one stage I was doing walking and I would keep track of how many houses I could walk by in a given amount of time. Um, okay. And uh, you know, so, so that's the kind of thing that motivates me. Um, I also can't, when it comes to walking, especially now, I walk so slowly that it's, it's a, like, no one wants to walk with me Yes, <laughs> because, because they're waiting all the time. Right. So so it's good that I can do things on my own. Do you prefer doing things on your own? or? or um,
1: <clears throat> well, right now, yeah, I do. Because everybody, like you said, I'm too slow. <laughs> my husband race walks whenever we go somewhere. So <laughs> I'm always okay. 10 paces behind him. But that's just the way he is. Right, you know, he, he walks fast. So, right. and I've always been slow. But uh, when it was safe to go to town, I would go uh, mall walking with my girlfriend, which usually right. consisted mostly of shopping. But <laughs> um, yeah, we called it mall walking for the day. <laughs> um, I haven't been been there in a couple months. Well, several months actually. So yeah, and oh, the malls we have here are just like your. Through them all in two minutes, so it's kind of pointless. Right.
0: Kind of so, pointless. Yeah. Well, I, but li- yeah, I, li- I
1: find motivation is hard because I just, Neh. you know, I just, I, I'm not motivated to do anything.
0: Right.
1: You know, like I used to. So maybe because my balance is so bad right now.
0: Maybe, maybe, yeah. maybe that'll improve with more. more yeah. Money. Acupuncture. Yeah.
1: Yes, I'm open.
0: Yeah. So here's another, here's a question for you. Um, Okay. If you, okay, I'll ask it this way. When you meet someone with MS, if they want, that's just diagnosed with MS, Mm -hmm. they want to know something about the disease or know something about how to deal with it, what kind of advice do you give them?
1: I usually tell them to uh, call their uh, neurologist's office and get some. uh, My doctor gave me a booklet on uh, the MS Society, and that was back before we had Google, too. Right. So, you know, I couldn't look stuff up online, so I had to get books from him. And I'd read about what I could and borrow them from the library. And and uh, we had, they used to have a, a thing called MSIs right. through the Canadian Society. And I don't know if they still do, but it was one night a week for seven weeks. And right. uh, that was so worth going to. That was so awesome. And then I heard they compounded it down into one day or something, which to me is a bit of an information overload when you're having trouble remembering things.
0: Right, right. Yeah, I remember being part of that. I was part of that both as a person who was, oh, well, I wasn't really newly diagnosed, but I hadn't gone to anything like that before. So I was was looking for information. And I was also part of it another time when I was, more um, there to help you know to share the perspective of a person that's lived with it for yeah with the disease for a while um,
1: well and and joining a group like the group sessions group meetings that we have those are invaluable because you can go around you know just introducing yourselves in the, at the table and give a little bit of your story and your two hours is up already because everybody, you know, has something to input that um, nobody else has heard or, you know, right. you're writing notes like mad because there's after 22 years, there's still stuff I'm learning, right. you know, or resources. And,
0: just uh, for context, Barb, um, for the listeners out there that, that don't sorry. live in Edmonton, we have I forgot. The, the MS Society of Canada. Um, and the Alberta division and we've had community groups that are small groups you know 10 people 15 people sort of that get together and before COVID-19 we got together in person um, once once a month officially and and our group had a second meeting that we that we did just to to get together and have coffee and chat Um, but something that was put on by the MS Society to begin with, and, and financed by them. Um, recently, it's it's all being done by volunteers, and since COVID, we've been meeting by Zoom. So that's how Barb and I met, and uh, that's I know that there are similar programs in other parts of the world. So if you uh, haven't haven't reached out to try and find one. Um, And you're newly diagnosed, that's something that I'd strongly recommend. Or even if you're, if there's someone that you know that has MS and you'd like to learn more about it, community groups are are a great way to do that because we've all lived with it and we all gain information from each other and support from each other. No one who doesn't have MS knows what it's like to have it. So they think
1: they do. They, yeah, some people, yeah. Oh, my friend has it you know you're faking it you know she's in a wheelchair you know <laughs> and you can't see it with me oh, oh but you look so good so, yeah. yeah and I know and somebody somebody like said rough. that somebody <laughs> said that to me one time and i said well i didn't get ugly i got sick <laughs> yeah so <laughs> right right and you have to excuse me i kind of stutter almost sometimes that's ms too it's i sound like i'm got marbles and right yeah I have funny speech patterns once in a while. So
0: um, so what about what about family members? Do you know um, family members of someone that's newly diagnosed? What kind of advice do you have for them?
1: Oh, learn about it. Like, I remember my parents going to one of the conferences with me, um, and uh, I forget why they went. I Oh, my daughter couldn't go. She always went with me, and then she moved to a different city. Okay. And so my parents went with me. Mom said that, oh, I guess I should learn about this, you know, and uh, she cried all the way through it. Right. Yeah, because she was like that. She, you know, expected the worst of everything. So, and after that, she just kind of, um, it didn't exist. We didn't talk about it. Yeah. Hmm. So so when I had a cast on, which was probably once or twice a year, uh, um, she, you know, what did you do? I said, oh, I fell. Oh, Barbara, you got to quit doing that. Oh, yeah, like I do it on purpose. (laughs) you know yeah so i either have smashed kneecaps or broken wrists Mm. yeah so
0: maybe maybe they're right maybe whoever told me you need a walker is right (laughs)
1: yeah (laughs) i was thinking that but yeah no, that's just giving in
0: yeah yeah it is giving in and you know um something that i've picked up along the way is um my my history has been a life or been a series of giving up being able to do things and Mm. and i've discovered that if i stop doing something for very long i won't be able to do it again so yeah i i struggle at times to do things but i prefer to struggle to do them than to get help get someone have someone else do them for me
1: well, yeah, that's what I've discovered about yoga. I mean, I was, I went once or twice a week until last year, and then my parents both got sick. So, uh, I mean, yeah, I, w- I was pretty busy with them, and then my husband. Yeah. But, um, so I pretty much, I think I went twice instead of twice a week last year, and this year I had a well. I, plus, I had a cast on for four months last year too. Um until until Christmas and uh, and this year um no I haven't gone at all I was gonna go and then COVID hit there right. it started in March and nope so that didn't happen and then I got sick <laughs> so right. that was February yeah right. that kind of took care of the whole thing now they're started again but I don't really want to go it, so it I did. just do it myself in the it downstairs and you know Okay. In the privacy, and you know, and I, I, I can't believe how weak I am now and off balance, and like, oh my God, if they saw me now, the women that I used to go with, that uh, you know, they wouldn't right. believe the difference. It really makes a difference when you keep keep at it and keep exercising.
0: Right, right. So, yeah. So that's the other thing is that just because it's difficult. Um, I don't want to stop. I will, even though i'm I'm doing something not as well as I used to do it, like you're saying, yeah, you're yoga, you do it, you do it by yourself and you you but you keep doing it. And, and I think it's important that we keep doing as much as we can because if we don't, then there's more yeah. things we can't do
1: well, they say use it or lose it. so that's
0: right. That's right. Yeah,
1: that is for sure. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, uh, when I've heard other people talk, I've heard people talk about who they have around them that that helps them, that supports them, that are whether it's whether it's you know, help doing things or whether it's help emotionally. Or where where are you at in terms of those kinds of things?
1: Oh, I just have my husband here, you know, that's it. Um yeah, my kids are in Calgary or, you know, in a different city. I haven't seen them this year since February. So, and grandkids and hmm, yeah, no, I have no family left. They've they've kind of all gone this year. So. so I have no support. But yeah, that's why I I joined another group of uh ladies and I kind of hang out with them all the time. We do different things, but now we're shut down for that too. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, our MS group, we used to get together all the time. We were bowling and, uh, I'd been a couple times this summer with them, but, uh, lately the numbers are getting too high again. So right. I quit going. Yeah. Right. Um, but, uh, yeah, we bowl and, uh, or we uh get together for our meetings and we do man, it's been so long since we've done anything normal. I forget what we did. <laughs> really. I can't remember what and, we did.
0: <laughs> and now, now we meet on Zoom and we and we talk.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, twice a week. Yeah, twice a month, I mean, sometimes, yeah.
0: yeah. But that's but that's better than not meeting on Zoom and not talking.
1: That's how I see my kids now is on Zoom and my grandkids. Right. Yeah. yeah. How sad is that? Yeah.
0: Sad, but hopefully temporary.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's got to get through Christmas. I, I went and saw my mom for the first time since COVID, uh, few weeks back and wow my my mom's 86 years old she's in a senior's home in lloyd minster which is a town or city that's about a two-hour drive from where we are um and um it was got to the stage of or we started i started thinking about the fact that you know every time i don't go to see her because i'm worried about bringing her covid yeah um is another time when like there's not going to be a chance to make up there's only so many chances left that's that's right together. so um planning still being careful planning on but but planning on visiting there more often um,
1: yeah uh, that's good i just my heart breaks for these you know people in long-term care yeah, yeah. Yes. My sister and brother-in-law are in assisted living, and they're in lockdown now because someone right. has COVID in their building. Right. Some staff and residents. So, you know, yeah.
0: So it's hard to know what the reason to Yeah. Of who is. Yeah. We, uh, we will learn to cope with this.
1: Yeah, we have adjusted. We've gotten creative at how to get together with people and you know, still do things and uh yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I would one want to do it again
0: though. <laughs> Prefer not to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I read somewhere that this is something that we can look forward to every 50 years or so. So <laughs> that that probably means that I won't be around to see the next one. So that's what I'm open. Yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's kind of a, <laughs> a negative note, but yeah. Um. So, is there anything else that you'd like to tell people all over the world about your experience or where you're at or what's happening? Um. No, I just. One
1: thing though you did mention that is also very important is anytime you're sick, don't let them pinhole you into or pigeonhole you into thinking it's always ms right yeah you know because there are other things
0: right and i, like, I knew I knew a lady um actually one of the alternative treatments that I had is is uh some surgery was called the CCSVI. C- um, mm, yes. And and I had surgery done in Mexico and I, I traveled there to do it. And one of the ladies that I met while I was there, I think she was from maybe, I'm thinking maybe Winnipeg. Mm. But she had one of her arms that was kind of frozen. Uh, she held it kind of up close to her her neck and basically she couldn't move the arm and when they did the MRI that they did before they, they completed this surgery they discovered that that arm was not stuck in that position due to um, MS. It had been broken and healed wrong and <laughs> and So she'd lived for 10 years at that time with with a lot of pain and a lot of and a frozen arm and a lot of disability. Wow. Because someone said, oh, that's MS. Yeah. Didn't do the research to find out that it wasn't. So. Yeah. It says we need to advocate for ourselves.
1: Um, We do. Yes. And I know they don't listen. And my (laughs) neurologist they phoned today to say I have another appointment in two weeks and do I want to do it over the phone to, again and I said no that did not go well last time <laughs> so you know and I've seen my own doctor a few times so why can't I come and see him right so you know it's like everybody else has moved on come on right so yes I'm going to his office actually and uh, I think next week so
0: I have a list
1: of things to say to him by then
0: <laughs> a couple of a month or so ago I went went uh, actually when I think back it's more like four months ago mm-hmm. I went to the MS clinic here in Edmonton and um, they have a new doctor there that's a I think it, he's called a physiologist um, but um, he's there mostly to try and treat spasticity in in patients and that's something that i have challenges with and we, we talked and we talked i mean talked about various things that were happening with me and all this kind of stuff and then he had me laid down on the on the examining table and manipulated my limbs in certain ways and he said and came back with um certain muscle groups that if i stretch those muscle groups i could i could improve my like decrease my spasticity which would allow me to sleep well mm. he couldn't he couldn't do that on the telephone
1: yes exactly
0: and you know some of the tests that they do with you know eye hand coordination and those kinds of things yeah they can't do them on the telephone So yeah, sometimes you need to actually go in and see them.
1: Well, I know he he always, one thing my doctor always does, he makes you walk up and down the hall. So he likes to see how you're walking. (laughs) That used to really drive my dad nuts. He had Parkinson's. He says, I'm not going to bother go see him. Why? He just makes me walk up and down the hall. (laughs) So (laughs) anyway um yeah so i'll go walk up and down the hall this time and see what he says and
0: yeah well i mean they they can't see what they can't see
1: <laughs> yeah exactly you or know
0: feel what they can't feel in the case of spasticity. yeah the and he used to being.
1: he used to do some other tests he'd close your eyes and try and push me over right if i close my eyes i fall over anyway right so but they know. have to find
0: that out they have to know that
1: yeah yeah to see how the balance is so yeah
0: yeah so sometimes we do need to go in person.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine. Yeah. It's just silly to me not to, to actually see your doctor.
0: Right. Yeah. But there are some things you can do. Like like I, I actually yeah. met with my GP um, not long ago. And um, we talked about the fact that for many times – that I'd gone to see him for various things. It was I would go and I would sit in his office. His his uh, the nurse would take my blood pressure and they'd weigh me, and I'd sit in his office and I'd wait for him to come in and and then he would sit in his chair and I'd sit in my chair and I'd explain what was going on, mm-hmm. and and then he'd come up with a recommendation and maybe maybe a prescription or a referral, and he'd never touched me. <laughs> and many times that's good yeah. Enough. yeah you don't they don't need to actually examine you yeah and there are other times when when they do and uh, he actually told me that one of his challenges now that that they are doing a lot of stuff on the phone is when he thinks that someone needs to actually come and see him mm-hmm. they're hesitant to do that Yeah. Well, yeah.
1: These days, people are. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So. um, We have, we have MS, in this community, and we may have some have other things, and we need to get the medical help that we need when we need it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. So you do have to be your own advocate, and and. Uh, write notes you know
0: because
1: if you go in there unprepared then the you know you just go out just as ignorant as you when you went in
0: so yeah yeah my my doctor i've i've been i'm the kind that writes notes and and takes a list of questions and i've got them written i've got them written out Uh, i've i type them out because my handwriting is so bad that no one else can read it (laughs) i can't read it um, so I've got it got them typed out and um, this was a neurologist I think and that said that I love it when when a patient comes in with with notes because then mm-hmm. I can read the notes and then I can go where I think the, the session needs to go and yeah. in the process make sure that I answer the questions that are in the notes. Um, right yeah, so. So they they seem to like it when you when you uh, have that stuff and and I don't know about how you feel but I, when I, I know when I go to the doctor's office I'm feeling nervous and you know they're the doctor uh, well, I don't have too much of this as as much as previous generations but basically my, I know my mother when. What the doctor said, you did and didn't question and didn't, and so on and so forth. Um, I'm I'm open to questioning things more, but if I've got six things on my list that I want to talk to them about, if I don't have them written down, I might I might get four of them to you know get answers to four of them, but I won't get more than that if I don't. Have them. Yeah. So. Oh.
1: Yeah, I know some doctors. They go, "Oh no, you have a list. You're only allowed three questions." <laughs> that was a joke at work you know that we were limited three questions yeah <laughs> if make another appointment if you have another one <laughs> so, yeah
0: yeah that was a joke that i heard from a doctor too he didn't abide by it i had another question no. and he answered it but he said yeah. I, asked, I i went up to him and asked he was i was in the hospital in this case in and just in the emergency area and i walked mm-hmm. up and asked can i ask another question and he said no you've got a limit of three but but then he answered the questions yeah it was all good anyway um Mm -hmm. we have talked for almost an hour oh goodness okay (laughs) so unless you have something else i think we've got some some things in this podcast that people will want to hear about and want to listen to and well i hope so yeah we've shared another story about someone with MS and people will be out there that will identify with what they hear, Mm -hmm. hear from here. I was going to say too, you
1: know, when I did go for that MRI, they, they, my neurologist never did order one. They, my GP was away. So the locum was the one who uh, uh, ordered it and she actually ordered the brain and the C-spine, which I, in 22 years, have never had a C-spine. Okay. And I don't know why. Hmm. Anyway, so that was something I was very impressed with her. I wish she knew more. <laughs> but, yeah, like I said, she was just filling in for my doctor. And, right. and I hadn't heard from the neurologist in six months. So, yeah. So I'll go next week and find out what the MRI said finally.
0: Okay cool yeah well let us let us know if you have any updates we can yeah hear, i will hear do hear to, to include them somehow in in uh, the pod, future podcast or in the notes related to this one oh, okay all right okay if there's nothing huh? else it's been a pleasure chatting with you
1: well thanks rick yeah that was painless <laughs>
0: <laughs> like i said earlier we we just want to have a conversation so
1: Right. Yeah. Well, that's good. Thanks very
0: much. Bye for now.
2: That was Rick Simon's conversation with Barb Rob. I hope you guys enjoyed it. And I just want to, you know, uh, give a little clarification here just for any regular listeners that might, who might be curious. Uh, Obviously this is Sean talking and not Rick anymore. Um, You know, I've mentioned it in previous episodes, but in case you didn't catch those, uh, Rick has come aboard as the new co-host of the YEGMS podcast, and I think it's fantastic. Um, I think the re-interview he just did with Barb was excellent, and hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, As always, though, if you are interested in being part of the podcast, please send an email to sean, S-E-A-N, at ownmultiplesclerosis.com, that's O-W-N, multiple sclerosis all one word dot com um there are currently no social media links to follow uh that may change in the future i mean as rick and i move forward with sort of the new format but uh, just wanted to know if you do want to reach out please do um love to hear from you if you want to be a guest love to hear from you if you would like to suggest a topic for either myself or or rick or for both of us to talk about um any questions please email sean at dot com. anyways i hope everyone is doing well out there uh, i hope everyone's enjoying the new format and and i i'm sure you're enjoying rick uh i think he's already proved himself to be a far better interviewer than i am so um uh, i think it's really good for the show and i think it's good for for everyone so once again if you want to get a hold of us sean at omophilosclerosis.com we'll be back again in a few weeks anyways until then take care be safe stay covid free and we'll talk to you real soon goodbye